0: This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports, Minnesota. And it starts now. What's up, everybody? Reggie and Luke back in the lab. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports, Minnesota. What's going on, Reggie?
1: What's up? What's up? That music is, as always. Never get told. Got me hyped, man. Got me hyped for Timberwolves today.
0: Oh, my gosh. Another jam-packed show for you guys. Reggie and I taking a deep dive into tonight's playoff game with the Wolves-Grizzlies battling for Game 2. Plus, a better look at the rest of the NBA playoffs and league's biggest storylines. And, of course, later we play What Does It Mean? I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat, some Twins baseball, some NFL draft. So, let's jump right into it. You ask anyone around the league and they'll tell you game one between the Wolves and Grizzlies, probably the most surprising game of opening weekend <laughs> as the seven seed Timberwolves were ready to go into enemy territory. They pull out an upset over the two seated Grizzlies. His first ever playoff game, Anthony Edwards leads the way with the Wolves 36 points, six assists. Cat throws up 29 and 13. The Wolves shot 50% from the floor. They won the rebound battle 46 35 over Memphis. Hey, John Morant did what John Morant does, right? For the Grizz, throwing up 32, 8 assists, but not enough. You know the Grizzlies are gonna scratch and claw here, Reggie, tonight, Mm -hmm. doing everything possible to avoid that 2 0 deficit before heading back to Minnesota for games three and four. So after what you saw in game one and what you know about both these teams, what's what's your X factor for tonight's game? Who or what is going to be the catalyst in their team's ultimate success in tonight's game two?
1: So for the Timberwolves, look, for me, it always stops and starts at Big Cat. Like, mm-hmm. he has to have the type of night that, superstars have because this team comes and goes as he kind of comes and goes and i think it was cool in the playing game when you know your other teammates are able to pick up the slack you know you talk about oh yeah it's team ball you know whatever whatever but i think with these games being as important as they are cat has to come out and set the tone for how the Timberwolves are gonna play that night. And he did that in the last game. I I keep saying it, but he came out just so sassy. He came out so sassy in that in that game one game. And it was just so interesting to see how he kind of just like kind of galvanized the the team a little bit and and they just kind of went as they went. You know, I think. Mm-hmm. Ant is going to have to continue to to be who he's been over the last couple games. And, I mean, that's going to be a challenge for him. But he's playing, like, excited. He's happy to be there. And so he's having fun out there. So I think he's going to continue to to shine in his own right because he doesn't want to get shown up by Ja, you know. And, right. and this Wolves team has a lot of pride. And a lot of that comes from Cat's leadership and, and Patrick Beverly, you know. Didn't really talk about him all that much. Not much. No. In game wide. one. Yeah, yep. But he did what he had to do, and mm-hmm. they got the win. And so I think it's going to be tough to get two straight in Memphis. Like, that's a crazy place to play. The Grizzlies are going to be more jacked up. They got a game under their belt. And I mentioned this yesterday. Anytime a team scores 117 points, usually you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They they probably win that game. The mm-hmm. Wolves scored 130 Why? Like, it's crazy. And so, but they needed all 130 of those points. And so Mm -hmm. I think if you talk about who's going to be the X factor for them, you start with Cat because he's the guy that kind of makes the engine go. And then you hope that from him doing what he has to do, that the other guys just kind of come around and do the same thing.
0: We all thought it, but now we got a chance to really see it. The Wolves may be the seventh seed, but this is a roster that matches up very well with the Grizzlies team. Remember these two teams split in the regular season two games to two and in those games the Wolves put up big games offensively averaging an offensive rating of 119 shooting 46% from the field 39 mm. from the arc and remember this was a Grizzlies team that it wasn't just a one-sided unbalanced team right with the league's number two offense. No, they owned the six best defense in the NBA so after allowing a hundred Thirty points to the Wolves in game one. I fully expect them to come out and have a better game plan for stopping Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns after they put up collectively 65. And if you're a Wolves fan, I think you should feel okay with that because that leaves the door open for D'Angelo Russell. Remember, D'Lo averaged 31.7 assists in in those four games against Grizzlies in the regular mm-hmm. season, uh, the guy shot fifty-six percent from the floor, forty-six percent from three. So I know he had a quiet game one, but with the impact Anton Towns had, you have to expect the Grizzlies to to make a serious adjustment. And I just got a feeling D is gonna capitalize and bounce back with the big game tonight because if he's anything like he's been against the Grizzlies earlier this year, they're gonna have their hands full with the Wolves big three and put a lot of pressure on of this game keep your eyes on D'Angelo Russell he's my X Factor for tonight's game matchup so there's our X factors. now Reggie flipping gears for a second what's one storyline or key to the game maybe you think's just maybe not getting enough attention you think it's going to have a bigger impact on the game than maybe people recognize something maybe not talked about enough that you think could low key have a decision and impact and who wins tonight's game
1: all right so this is not something that people are just like not talking about people sure. are talking about it. But yep. I think it's interesting. hmm. So on Sunday night, John ja Morant posted this video from Last Dance oh, when Michael Jordan night. was in his locker, and he had the bat in his hand and the cigar in his mouth. And he was just Aye. like, you know, if you could talk smack, you know, when when it's zero zero, <laughs> then you know then then you're about something <laughs> but if you, you know when, when you got the lead and you talking smack you know and, and he's just going through those things and I'm like huh
0: Interesting.
1: I'm like huh like okay mm-hmm. Ja, like what what do you what message are you trying to send there you mm-hmm. know like I don't, I'm trying to understand um and so I think what's going to be interesting is how he comes out and kind of motivates the grizzlies in that next game um to kind of kind of I don't know play with that play with a little bit more of an edge and I just want to see how the Timberwolves kind of respond to that um because I don't know It's just it, anytime you post Mike you know uh, like it, it, it's
0: Mike you're sending a message you're right you're setting the tone a, yeah
1: right? you're trying to set the tone at least and so I think you know it's going to be on the Wolves to come out and play with some more of that pride to to kind of, you know, offset a little bit of, of that, you know, that energy that Ja is going to come out on. Um, a couple other uh, storylines that I also mm-hmm. kind of want to bring up is the play of the Grizzlies bench. Mm. as opposed to the Timberwolves bench. No doubt, yeah. The the Wolves bench played about as well as you probably want to see them play in game Mm -hmm. one. Can they replicate that? Mm -hmm. And also, it's like Memphis was kind of celebrated a little bit coming into this series of kind of having a better bench. And Mm -hmm. they didn't necessarily play how maybe many expected them to play. And I also think that another storyline is who guards Cat? Because Stephen right. Adams was almost barbecue chicken in Game <laughs> One, like, like dude was dude was a little barbecue chicken back there. Cat was eating him up, and it's so interesting because Jaron Jackson Jr. has seven blocks, mm-hmm. but he's mm-hmm. much more athletic than Stephen Adams. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering, they put him on Vanderbilt, which I'm like, eh, I mean, you know, whatever. I don't think you're looking at Vando as as just all this crazy offensive production. So I'm wondering if they decide to employ JJJ mm. on mm. cat
0: in this game and see
1: just what that does for them. So those are some of the storylines I'm looking at.
0: Yeah, some really good under the radar storylines. I, I love that you brought up the John Morant kind of social media, throwing up mics, sending that energy, maybe <laughs> some maybe a little message because for me, um, you know, it's so cliche, but but the key word for Minnesota when it comes to game two is poise. After pulling off that mm. game one upset. You know, the Wolves have to be prepared, again, for Memphis to come out with this added level of urgency, this intensity, in Mm -hmm. order for them to tie up the series. Because if they fall behind, the Wolves, that is, they can't get flustered. They proved in game one that they belong in the series and that they should have confidence in their game plan. But as a young team, it's going to be vital for them to keep their composure, regardless of what Memphis throws at them. Clean playoff basketball, hit your free throws, create turnovers, take care of the ball. Just Mm -hmm. play your game and trust that your talent more times than not is going to win out versus their talent for four quarters, no matter the ebbs and flows of the game, because it's so easy for a young, inexperienced team to let their emotions and the surroundings get the best of them during yep. the ups and downs, the roller coaster of a playoff game. And that's where I really think Coach Finch has not only had a huge impact on the regular season, but now you're seeing it carrying over to the playoffs as well. Yeah, which if you're a Wolves fan, you got to be awfully excited that the team finally seems to have the right kind of teacher mentor uh, mm-hmm. to develop all this talent, the glue. Uh, to put these puzzle pieces together well enough and and see it manifest finally in some playoff wins around here. So uh, that's super exciting. I will say this too, as far as an under-the-radar storyline coming into tonight's game, um, we talked a lot about momentum on yesterday's show. Mm -hmm. Who can grab some momentum early on in this season and ride that wave. Remember, heading in, the Grizzlies had all the momentum, right? Second best record in the NBA, won 19 of their last 22 games in Memphis, but all of a sudden, Reggie, they've lost two Straight Mm. and the Wolves, they've won five of their last seven, so it just feels like the Wolves may be putting it all together right at the right time heading into the rest of the playoff series. So, regardless of what happens in game two, the Wolves will head home to Minnesota with at least a split. And you already know, looking ahead to Game 3, should be awesome, and electric atmosphere in Minneapolis. Oh, man. Which will be the first playoff game at the Target Center. You'll be there since 2018. And just the third since 2004, that KG era. Wow. Uh, it feels like a long time for these Minnesota Timberwolves fans. The Wolves are seven-point dogs once again in this one. Tip-off, 7.30 Central. You know, Reggie and I will be here tomorrow to break it all down. Remember, seven and eight seats. They're combined 0-36 in the playoffs since 2013. I keep saying it. I can't get over that stat. It's just unbelievable. 0-36. Wow. All right. Coming up, I'm putting Reggie through the gauntlet with what does it mean. But first, let's go around the rest of the NBA, circle in with a closer look on what's happening in the rest of the playoff matchups, starting in Philly. Remember, some experts had Toronto as their upset special. Huh. But now, after getting throttled <laughs> by double digits in back-to-back games, Plus, losing rookie star Scotty Barnes, the Raptors are reeling. The Raptors will try to flush these first two games out of their system, use this home field advantage tomorrow night. But, Reggie, will it be too little too late for the five-seed Raptors who've kind of dug themselves in a big hole early in this series against the 76ers?
1: Yeah, man, I think that thing's over, man. I think it's toast. Yeah, it's funny because you got Joel and B talking to mm-hmm. Nick Nurse, the Raptors head coach, telling yeah. him to stop <laughs> complaining. He didn't use that word, but he told him to stop <laughs> complaining so much. <laughs> like they're just like beating them down, man. And it's yeah. it's uh it's interesting because Philly has a lot to prove mm-hmm. this this playoff season. They do, they really do. They traded for Harden. Mm-hmm. They, you know, talked about how much he's like the missing piece to to their puzzle and, and all that. And Harden's been Harden's been just OK. You know, he's he started right. that first month and he was like, oh, wow. Like, OK, this is James Harden. He's back. And he's kind of leveled off a little bit. And so I think what's interesting to see is them putting it all together at the right time. With Doc, there's a lot of pressure on Doc as well to, no doubt. Good point. to really kind of like show and prove like his mettle as, mm-hmm. as a head coach, even with his level of experience. But with a team as talented as the 76ers, I think they're expected to beat teams like Toronto and and kind of do what they're doing. I don't think I expect expected them to like beat them down like this mm-hmm. but with the team is talented as the Sixers are like that's something that y- it shouldn't surprise you because like they have really they have the talent to win the East if they can put it all together but you know trying to get through all these teams like the East is is stacked And so I think, you know, them beating Toronto would give them a lot of confidence moving forward in the next series. But I think this series is toast.
0: Yeah, I think she's toast. Throw some butter and jam on that, baby. (laughs) Strawberry? Uh, Yeah, oh, got to. Oh, yeah. it's got okay. to. Okay. Uh, the most anticipated matchup of round <laughs> one was always going to be the Nets and the Celtics. Game one didn't disappoint. Kyrie yeah. and Durant. They did. They thought they did enough, anyways, to to take game one. But it was Jason Tatum's buzzer beater that helped the Celtics. How awesome. Was Hold that, on. Man. Oh, unbelievable. Go on. Uh, up one, nothing. So Reggie, this was the round one series everyone wanted to see heading into the playoffs, and now we know why. Don't let that two verse seven seed fool you. Just like this Wolves matchup with the Grizz. These two teams are so talented and so evenly matched. It just feels like every game, it's it's just going to be an ESPN Classic coming down to the last shot. Plus, by the way, you got some off-the-court drama between Kyrie Irving and the Celtics' crowds going on. How do you see the rest of this series playing out, and, and uh, what do you love so much about these two teams matching up?
1: You know, it's interesting uh, talking about – Kyrie and the the fans like we've heard it for years that the Boston fans are just a next level like ruthless yeah otherworldly like you know just spitting out all kind of disrespectful stuff like they take their sports very seriously up there like like, sports are, are, are live, breathe, die by up yep. in the New Blood, England Blood, sweat, area. tears. Yeah. yeah. No and yep. and so it's interesting because Kyrie was once beloved. I mean, he told them at center court that he was coming back. He wanted to stay a Celtic, and then he left. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny. It's like, man, they, they can love you so hard, but they can also hate you so hard as well. And he's kind of seeing that other side of that. And I think it's kind of whack that, you know – don't get so personal with these right. uh, criticisms of these players. Like, they're, you they're people, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like, yep. Just, just come on, man. Just, right. It's a game. You know? Like, mm-hmm. I know it's important to you. But, like, don't be coming at Kyrie all, like, sideways like mm-hmm. it's sweet. You know? Because mm-hmm. a lot of y'all ain't about that life. Let's be honest. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you sitting there, you know, you, you're in the protection of your seat like like Kyrie won't come up there and jump at you. You know what I mean? Like you right. just never know with this guy. But anyway, switch it to the on-the-court stuff. Yeah, I yeah. Think, I think um the weird thing about the Nets being the seventh seed is they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Mm. Like no team boasts those two level of players – and and considers themselves an underdog at anything. You got and- two NBA champions on, on one roster. And I think what's interesting is, like, they're going to give the net. I thoroughly think that this Nets uh, Celtics series is going to go to seven games. I do, too. Yeah. When it comes down to the last bucket like that, like, I, I thoroughly see that. The Celtics have gone through some things they've they've been battle tested in years past in the playoffs and so they're not scared they ain't scared
0: no no sir
1: and so i think what's what's cool about it is like they're playing up to their potential and you know you're going to get the best out of Kyrie and KD anytime they step on the court and so i'm just so interested to see how game 2 plays out because like i think the nets are going to probably take it and then we're just going to keep going back and Oof. forth until we get to seven games. Like I that's just what I see from it. There's so much talent on the court and, you know, outside of the Wolves and the the Grizzlies, I think that series is probably the most entertaining to watch.
0: Yeah, Reggie, you know I picked the Nets in this one, so Mm. it was a heartbreaker for me to watch that game one, but I'm not swaying on this Nets final prediction. If they can win this series somehow, some way, I think the confidence and momentum on their side would be enough for them to beat anyone all the way to the chip. Outside of your Minnesota Wolves, if you only have time to watch one NBA playoff game this week, you got to make it this one. Game two tonight, tip-off 6 p.m. on TNT. Okay, last one, talking NBA playoffs, Golden State Warriors, man. Managed to contain Nikola Jokic and throttled the Nuggets by double digits twice (laughs) now with a commanding 2-0 series lead. And that's, by the way, Reggie, with their best player, Steph Curry, out of the starting lineup and just coming off the bench. So uh, the Warriors (laughs) seem to be turning it up in a big way in the playoffs. Uh, Just how dangerous is this team, not only in the rest of this series, but maybe in the rest of the playoffs as a whole?
1: Dude, they're the challenger to the Phoenix Suns for the Western Conference. Like, Mm -hmm. You got Steph Curry coming off the bench, best bench player of all time. Right, thirty-four points off the bench last night. Like, it's kind of ridiculous to be having the luxury to have a guy like that come off the bench mm-hmm. and just cook up like that. Like the dude is incredible, and it's just like, how's that for a six man? And I think what's interesting is I think the the uh, Nuggets are are. A ten piece like mm-hmm. McDonald's special oh. with barbecue sauce, like it, it's <laughs> over. Like they're they're cooked and they're getting eaten up. Mm. Like they just can't match up with the the talent and the firepower of Golden State. They don't have Jamal Murray. They don't have Michael Porter Jr. Like who do they have other than Jokic? Like he can't. You see, he's like fighting mad. Got himself ejected last night. It's like just wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Like he's like, look, man, I'm fighting. I can't do any more than I'm doing to will this team to a W like they may sneak one win in there just, you know, because they're a professional basketball team as Mm -hmm. well. But like when you got Chef Curry sizzling like that, freaking Jordan Poole is going to make himself a lot of money. Oh, this offseason point. the dude. Is coming into his own and when they employ this new school death lineup with curry pool thompson draymond like that's scary man like it's it's not as scary of a death uh lineup as when they had kd and Mm. iguodala in there like that you know that was a legendary death lineup but like when they small ball these guys and you got three four guys that can just shoot a three just out of nowhere and and just kind of kill you like that yeah, like just
0: watch n- out man nickel and diamond you to the death i oh, mean just chipping goodness. away man just brutal uh, nuggets look to rebound back at home thursday night in game three they desperately need it tip off for that game thursday 8 p.m central standard time all right Time has come. My favorite part of the show where I put Reggie on the hot seat covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports called What Does It Mean? Let's jump right into it. First up, Reggie, we called the Twins bats out yesterday on the mm-hmm. show with Byron Buxton. They must, Buxton. Have, they must yeah. have heard us. Yeah, they had, in the lineup. They must have tuned in and listened because they put up eight runs against the Red Sox yesterday, helping them split the series two to two. What does it mean for guys like uh, you know Jorge Polanco? Kyle Garlic who just got caught up, uh, as the Twins try to make do with Buxton on the DL as they head to Kansas City for their series against the Royals tonight.
1: First of all, every, every dish, every mm. good cook knows that every dish is just a little bit better <laughs> with some garlic. You know, every dish.
0: I learned Just that the hard bit. way a few years ago. You're right. You're Just right. Just a little, put a little everything. garlic
1: in there. Anything you know? and everything, yes. I mean, he starts off the game with the with the home run, like, see you later. I think what's cool is seeing guys have production who are not Carlos Correa, who are mm-hmm. not Sanchez, and, and, and not Buxton. Like, those are the guys that were expected to kind of be the catalyst for this team offensively. And when you have the bats producing at a level like that, where you got Kepler, you know, helping score runs and and Polanco for RBI, like, that's pretty inspiring. Like, that's pretty, you know, like, encouraging for their efforts. And it's cool to see, but it's always about sustainability, right? Like, can they keep it going? And I think going into this series with the Royals, like, their team, like, It was tough seeing how the Twins started the season because they started the season against some of who many, you know, believe will be some of the best teams in baseball this year. Right. And it's like now they're kind of coming down and playing some teams around their level who are, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure it out just like them. And I think this series against the the Royals kind of presents an opportunity against a divisional opponent to just kind of like flex a little bit. Mm Kind of show, you know, like, these bats are not a fluke. Like, we're going to come in and we're going to bring it night in and night out. And I expect them to be able to hit against the Royals as well because there's a lot of questions with the Royals as far as their pitching staff. And it just kind of brings, you know, Garlic is playing with house money right now. Mm. Like, just come in and rake. Do your, you know, like, don't think about anything else. Just come in focused on base hits and you know getting on base like that's your goal and it's like like I said when you don't have Correa and Buxton and Sanchez maybe doing the the bulk of the load and you can still get these other guys involved and and they can still carry the team with the bats like I think that's very very encouraging
0: that schedule man relentless just Unbelievable to start out the gate. Maybe the best thing to happen to him because now, like you mentioned, uh, again, things are going to start to come back down to even a little bit more when when it comes to the talent that they're going to be playing. Uh, Let's stick with the Twins. They got a solid outing from Dylan Bundy getting into the sixth inning. He allowed just one run against the Red Sox. But overall, the pitching staff, we know it from top to bottom, it's just been up and down, a little inconsistent. What does it mean? And and what have you seen, Reggie, from the Twins pitching so far that had major questions Questions heading into the season
1: i think it means that we can keep a level of optimism i like that so joe ryan in his last start was phenomenal mm-hmm. 80 pitches 62 of them awesome. strikes and and it's like yo like he could have gone another inning Especially considering that the bullpen came in and just kind (laughs) of gave up all those runs after his, like, you know, wonderful effort. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what you're seeing at the start of this rotation is guys like Joe Ryan, Dylan Bundy. You know, sucks that Sonny Gray, you know, had to hit the injured list with that hamstring. But, you know, then then you add in a guy like Chris Archer with a lot to prove. These guys have a lot to prove. And I think it means that they are going to give their best effort night in and night out, and that could be a really good thing for the twins. They they signed these guys that you know have had a little bit of rough times, uh, mm-hmm. you know, over the last few seasons, and they're trying to kind of you know reclaim their their greatness in a way, if you yeah, will. Yeah, a lot you know, of
0: prove it deals, yeah, right? a lot of prove and, it,
1: yeah, and they're proving it. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see how Chris Archer looks in his second start. Um, because what Dylan Bundy has showed is that he can be someone who can be an anchor in this uh, starting rotation. So far, it's it's really early, and so we exactly. we don't want to make any like conclusions drawn right. from from just two good outings. But they are encouraging outings from Bundy, and I, I would like to believe that you know Joe Ryan is going to continue to grow as a pitcher, and he's going to get a little bit longer of a leash as time goes on. And I think what is, you know, kind of considered a weakness, if you will, of this team could become a strength with some guys that are just trying to prove themselves.
0: Yeah, great point there, because, you know, we have no choice. We got to we got to take this day by day. So it's easy Mm -hmm. for us to have knee jerk reactions, quick reactions after every game. but. My gosh, Reggie, this is just such a long season, right? It's yeah. a marathon, not a sprint. It's easy for us to just have these quick reactions, jump to conclusions, as you said. But mm-hmm. let's just, uh, you know, take a step back here, let the dust settle, give this team and ball club a few weeks to kind of find their footing and chemistry, mm-hmm. and and let this whole thing play out. Because again, like you mentioned, a lot of prove it kind of deals, and yeah. and that doesn't mean there's not talent. There's some serious serious talent in this pitching staff. Absolutely, it's, it's just who's gonna. Shake out here at the bottom and become those two or three starters that you can depend on going into the second half of the season. All right, last one. What does it mean with Reggie on the hot seat? You knew I had to throw an NFL draft question your way. Oh, yeah. It's just nine days away. We're getting closer yep. and closer, and more experts now, Reggie. They're connecting some dots with LSU cornerback Derek Stingley, who we've talked about a lot on this show, and the Minnesota Vikings for a variety of reasons. However, after a great pro day, and now his stock is rising. What does it mean for the Vikings if Stingley isn't even an option anymore with the 12th pick? As draft gurus like Mel Kuyper and others saying he could now go in the top 10 picks.
1: Oh, yeah. You got some teams that are in the top 10 that have their quarterback already. Yep. And so they're just looking to bolster yep. their team. Jets and at 10, Washington yeah. at
0: 11. Yeah. There's I, a lot I of them. think.
1: I think right there, mm-hmm. one of those two teams, I think, mm-hmm. is probably where Stingley probably mm-hmm. goes. If he does, it you makes know, sense. Not not fall, but if he does what? come down and, and Minnesota's on the clock and he's still on the board, then you you put the the pick in yesterday, right? You know, like you, you you're, sprinting. The, you're sprinting, you're sprinting over, you're you're making the uh, announcement of the pick for Roger Goodell. Yeah, right. You know, you're like, hey, 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 Roger, excuse me, I'm gonna let you finish like real Kanye. I got like, I'm gonna let you finish, but this is the greatest draft pick of all time. (laughs) So, but no, I think I think what's interesting is and we've talked about this before on the show, but if Stingley is not there, don't reach for a guy like take the best player available or man, make yourself open for business because it's like, look, if you can't get the guy that your heart desires, then trade back to a guy, you know, to put yourself in position to take a guy that you are still pretty fond of, but Mm -hmm. that you can take, you know, maybe at a lower pick. And maybe just get a little bit more draft capital for your yourself, for your team. You know, like Kwasi made the comment of trying to build for the future and the present at the same mm-hmm. time, which is just kind of confusing if you think about it. Right. But, you know, that allows you, if you trade back, that allows you to be able to bolster the talent uh, of the roster with some young guys. You know, and, I'm a, a- and, and help supplement a little mm-hmm. bit of that.
0: Exactly. You know I'm a big draft guy. Trading mm-hmm. back is always option A for me because it, it, there's no sure thing in this draft and also, especially in this draft class, you can find guys in, in round two and round three. Star- Eric Hendricks, round two mm-hmm. linebacker, pro bowler. Daniel Hunter, third rounder. Uh, Everson Griffin, how far you want to go back. I mean, You can find guys on day two and day three and I love moving back and just gaining more ammo and when you got the 12th pick, it could be a prime spot. Some serious real estate for a team like we've talked about on the show the Steelers at 20 maybe moving up to get a quarterback Uh, the Saints all of a sudden got two first round picks maybe they want to package and move up Um, but you know Stingley would be tempting for sure and some other guys like Kyle Hamilton but the Vikings are now also rumored to be really fond of Trent McDuffie the third Mm cornerback right behind Stingley from Washington and they think they may be able to get him after moving down so um i just love the fact that they're talking about they're discussing the real possibility of trading back still getting a great player at, at the late teens or early 20s and then gaining some more ammo so um and, lot to and discuss here's the, yeah
1: here's the thing too about the draft that yeah. that is so interesting is like mm-hmm. it is such an inexact science and, and teams do right. what they have to do for the betterment of their team in the moment, and it's just so funny because we always have this like revisionist thing where we we go back and we look at the drivers like, wow, this person was on the board and they passed. How on, did you guys know, this miss this? It's yeah, like and yeah. it's like, come on, man, like that's so like right. low hanging fruit right there because it's just like back, like in the moment. Mm-hmm. We look at these players, and we do our due diligence. We do our, our homework on these guys, and we try to make the best decision possible in the moment. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, you know, you can... Even the, the most can't-miss guys sometimes in the draft have been a miss.
0: Absolutely. and, and Happens it's just all like, the time. Yeah, yep. and it's just yep. like,
1: look, man, you can never, you know, really, really, truly get these things right sometimes. And it's just like, you know, but, but I think what is right is not reaching for a player at 12 and just Mm kind of letting the board come to you for best player available. And that's really the best thing that you can do in this draft because like then that's when you look back and you're like man what did they do they reached for that guy that guy right. really wasn't even all that high rated and right. they took him you know kind of some of the stuff that the raiders did under Mike oh Mayock. yep it was just yep. like dude mm-hmm. that that guy wasn't even on anybody's first round board and you just took him with the second pick like what's going on what, what are we are doing, doing? Yeah. but with the the case of the vikings man i It's tough because they're going to be, you know, fans are going to hold them accountable and fans are going to be critical of what they end up doing on Mm -hmm. draft night. Um, But it's just so tough to predict some of these things. But I guess that's why they get paid the big bucks to be able to scout and make these decisions that, you know, hopefully work out best for their football team.
0: Another reason you just basically laid it out, why you trade back, it puts less pressure Mm. when you have an early pick. I mean, any of these top 10, top 12 picks, uh, they're expected to come in and not only just start – but these 20, 21-year-olds are expected to start and be really good. So yeah. I think it just puts a, such an unfair expectation, especially on these young quarterbacks, who I think should always sit for one year their rookie year and then come in and learn the speed and nuances of the game. But trading back, just another benefit, I think, of moving back. Takes a little bit of pressure off uh, the expectations, early expectations of that draft pick. Draft just nine days away. Yeah, Reggie's getting me all excited, hot and heavy over here. <laughs> (laughs) Next week, we're going to have a lot of uh, NFL draft segments coming your way during draft week. All right, Reggie, you survived the gauntlet once again. Join us tomorrow breaking down game two playoffs with the Wolves and Memphis Grizzlies. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter, at TV and on CARE11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of the Locked On Sports Minnesota. He's Reggie. I'm Luke. Until tomorrow,
1: signing off. Be blessed. Spread love today.
0: This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota.